Yeah, no worries, dude. Um, yeah, thanks so much for coming in. Um, yeah. You look fit, healthy. Yes, been trying, man. <laughs> been Sunday trying. morning. Yeah, maybe. Um, sorry, dude. Just try to pull this a little bit down. A little bit down. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that. A bit closer to your face. Is that better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect. All right, too easy. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so I saw on your um, your social media that you've been doing these six month challenges. Yeah. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been doing them for about two and a half years now. Um, and the first one, the motivation was pretty interesting. It was actually because I was trying to quit a habit of mine. And it was actually like drinking, it was alcohol. I used to drink like a lot on the weekends, you know, partying. Um, and it was really affecting my mental health negatively as well. And so I, I told myself, I was like, well, can I like stop for a bit? Because everyone was sort of doing it. I was in university and it was like a, a setting where it was normalized. Mm. So I told myself, well, let me see if I can go six months without drinking. And I just did it, you know what I mean? So like, you went a full six months? Full six months. Wow. Um, and it was difficult at the start because obviously in uni, everyone's like forcing you to drink and there's that whole pressure around drinking, especially like um, being in the club culture. Anyway, so I did that and you know, went well, I felt good. And I was sort of able to, I guess, break that addiction pattern. Um, and so when it came to drinking, I actually drank to enjoy rather than to like get effed up mm. all the time. Um, so I did that and then I was like, let's see what's next. And so I started using it as almost a platform to change uh, attitudes or mindsets in myself that I wanted to improve upon. And the second one I did was actually um, no meat, it was vegetarian. And the reason I did that one was because there was a lot of hype around it. Like my sister doesn't eat meat, my mom doesn't eat meat. And so rather than like, I guess, criticizing it or, you know, wondering what it's about, I was like, let me just try it for myself mm. and actually see if it works. And well, you were a big meat eater before that. Yeah, just just yeah. like didn't really think about it, to be honest. I just ate meat like it was normal. And I guess a lot of us kind of brought up into that um, idea as well. So yeah, did that for six months as well. Um, and I felt so great, but I didn't continue it. Like I went back to eating meat, but at a healthy sort of um, understanding of it as mm -hmm. well and like more appreciative of it as well. And I did a few other ones, mainly around like food restriction as well. Um, and the most recent one that I did uh, was six months of cold showers only. Yeah, so that's the one that I saw. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, dude, um, props to you for doing that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I could pull that off. Yeah, it was a tough one because um, <laughs> I was really learning about it. Like I was really interested in um, learning about like cold therapy and have you heard of Wim Hof? Like, Wim Hof? Yeah, he's, like no, this, this, no. he's known as like the Iceman and he lives, I'm not sure, but somewhere in Europe, um, but he does like these extreme cold challenges. Oh, in like, like icy water yeah, sort of icy things. Water, yeah, icy yeah, um, yeah. And he's developed this sort of like hyperventilation breathing technique and essentially it's to like get stress out and feel better and like energized and all this kind of stuff so i did a few cold showers in like in, um the summertime just to like see and obviously it feels really good in summer when you're after a workout yeah but not in like winter yeah, yeah. so i was like let's <laughs> let's keep it going so i started in december so only the, the last two months of it really became like really hard and originally when i did it it was like a normal shower and then i would turn it to cold at the end but this this one was like only cold showers i had to start it cold wow. jump into it and <laughs> i get up early i get up at like 4 35 a.m um, to go to the gym or whatever so when i come back it's still like dark outside yeah it's well. freezing cold and the only thing stopping you from going into that shower is your mindset you know and what it's i gonna break through that barrier yeah bro what i yeah. noticed was obviously it it's still painful right the cold shower but more so it's more about like you, you develop like a a mindset where you just like got to do it mm. and you become more decisive almost and so that applied to like other areas of my life um and i ended the six month challenge by doing an ice bath for 10 minutes because i wanted to see like muscle you know push yeah, it right yeah. to the extreme yeah. and so i did that and that was like the hardest thing i've done ever for sure couldn't feel anything like my body was just shaking um but it was yeah at the end of the six months you know i only i did it for myself like i don't care that like you know but it's cool that it inspires other people i guess but 
it really proved to myself that if I set like an intention and a goal and if I just follow through, like I can do it. Mm-hmm. And it, it leads to me to question like, what else can I do? So, yeah. So I thought, yeah, that was like a really interesting um, reason behind why you decided to do it. So like a bit of a, like a life hack mm-hmm. um, method yeah. by which you just sort of changing one behavior and it sort of leads into different changes in yeah, exactly. other behaviors and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Um, but yeah, so like your main project now is Manor. Yeah. Right. Could you give us a little bit of a rundown of what that is? Yeah, for sure. So um, we're a not-for-profit organization. Um, I started it at the end of 2019 with a close friend of mine called Asib. So we co-founded it. Um, and what we do is we go to high schools and we talk to young boys around forming healthier understandings of masculinity, you know, what it means to be a man and trying to break down the stigmas of mental health and essentially change the culture, especially when it comes to the way we have attitudes towards like women and the non-binary community. And even like the, the um, attitudes we have like with each other, like creating more of a supportive environment and making it normal to like not be okay because I don't, I'm not sure about you, but even for me, like especially going to all boys school, like there was definitely that sort of underlying pressure of like a way to be. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It was a, a bizarre non-spoken sort yeah, of Yeah, it, it was non-spoken yeah. for sure. And so, um, yeah, that's sort of what it is in a nutshell. And we run three distinct workshops and the way that we sort of, I guess, differentiate ourselves is we run them like very peer-to-peer. So when we go to the high schools, I'll have like 10 or like 15 volunteers with me and we will split up a whole cohort um, like five or six boys and we just share our stories and get them to like open up a little bit obviously run through the content but the magic is in like us a little bit older than them sharing stories about I guess our challenges around growing up with that mindset mm. and you know where it led us to where we are now so yeah it's pretty cool yeah well okay so did do you only target um, like young young kids or young boys sorry or do you do talks for women as well um, yeah so right now um, we're mainly focused on like the young boys and like the community as well, especially like university age students as well. Mm. Um, I think the reason why we do it is, and we don't want to like, I guess, talk to women about it is because the whole idea is we want men to hold each other accountable. Mm, okay. Like yeah. it shouldn't be a woman's spot to like call out a man. Because it is really isn't their problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. I mean, that's what they've been right. doing for years. Right. And yep, so it's like yep. the idea is like, well, it's the, the onus is like on us now to like, I guess, make a change and stand up for it because they've been calling it out for years. You know mm. what I mean? So, yeah, we obviously get input from a lot of women in our lives and um, like sources that can help us uh, make our content more credible. Like we, we partner up with organizations that um, you know work with women in that space so we can learn a bit more about as well. But I guess at the end of the day, it's like how can we as men talk to other men? Yeah, about all these, yeah, um, just ridiculous um, issues, in <laughs> domestic, particularly with like violence against women and just yeah. sort of violent behavior yeah. as well, yeah. running rampant um, amongst men. Um, yeah, is a massive issue. Um, yeah, so was there any like pivotal moments in your life that really made you or inspired you to start something like that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I would say that I sort of started Man Up for myself mm. um, because into it, like, you know, all throughout, I guess, uh, life in high school and even into early university, I was very much living on like an autopilot of who I was. Like, to be honest, I didn't even know who I really was. You know, I was like a, a mold of like society and like expectations and what it put on me. And so... 2017 was like a pivotal year for me. It was a year where on the outside, I seemed to have everything sorted. Like I was doing really well at university, like on track for like a set career pathway, had a relationship at the time. Like things just seemed to be like, you know, good from the outside. Yeah, but yeah. I think a part of me like was subconsciously like crying out, like you're not fulfilled. Like what are you even doing? Like you don't even know who you are yet. But I, I didn't realize it at the time. I like, looking back and I can say that, but at the time I just felt this tension inside of my body. I was like, didn't know what to do started to get like mood swings, like really angry, doing like stupid things, like driving really fast in the car, 
drinking a lot again. Mm. Like this is yeah. after this is after the challenge. Like uh, oh no, actually this is before the challenge. Yeah, um, started drinking a lot again, um, doing reckless things, and my relationship with my girlfriend at the time just started to break down. And I guess I did what most men are sort of taught to do, and it was like just bottling my emotions. You know, like don't talk about it to anyone, which inevitably just leads to um, dealing with those problems with destructive behavior. In yeah. most, in yeah, most exactly. cases. And yeah. so I did that for about a whole year, 2017. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if you have a trigger warning on this, but it led down to me, like, doing, like, self-harm to myself and oh, okay. en wow. engaging yeah. in those kind of behaviours. And so obviously, I guess, I wasn't healthy, like, mentally healthy, but I just denied it. Um, and it wasn't until sort of the end of 2017 where, like, my friends started to notice something was wrong with me. Um, and my girlfriend was like, what's going on? And it sort of, like, led to this like explosion of events where like she broke up with me, um, uni was like finishing and I just had no idea like who I was, where I was, what I was gonna do with the rest of my life. And I was sort of at a crossroads. I could either choose to continue living down that path of, you know, like masking who I was, like putting on a mask and pretending to be okay and conforming to, I guess, what society wanted me to be and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or I had the option to sort of embrace who I was meant to be this whole time and actually figure out what I was meant, what I was put on this earth to do, you know? And so 2017, I really started, like right at the end when it all happened, I was left at a sort of like, I would say like um, rock bottom almost in the sense where I was like, well, I, I can only go up from here. So like, what can I do? And so I started, I started just focusing on myself. Obviously I had help from people. I, I started seeing like a psychologist and like a life coach lady that helped me as well. But the priority was on myself. I took some time off uni, my last semester. And I just started doing things I enjoyed. I started reading, I started exercising, I started eating right. That's when the whole vegetarian thing happened. Uh, I started having good support networks around me, like actually deep conversations with my friends because um, when this sort of happened, they were really surprised because they, they always thought I was like, such a happy guy, you know? Mm. Um, and you know, in a few months, that four months or so, when I started developing myself, I just started to feel a lot better, like inside. I, I couldn't really describe it because I guess nothing on the outside essentially changed, right? Like I was still doing the same things at uni. But on the inside, I just felt so like energized and so ready to go. And I really did a lot of self-reflection on like who I was and what my values were and what I wanted to do. And what I noticed was as I started to become this better version of myself, a lot of young men similar to me came up to me and they're like, what did you do? Because I feel so bad right now. Like I'm sort of where you were a few months ago and I had this like anxiety and distress. I don't know how to express it. You know what I mean? And, mm. you know, for about a year, like a lot of guys kind of had one-on-one -on -one conversations with me about this and... It wasn't until I went to this program in America in 2019, um, it's called Leap, and I spoke on the stage for five minutes just explaining what I sort of explained to you just then. Um, and yeah, legit afterwards, like 20 guys came up to me, like these American guys, and they're like, man, you just put into words like what I've been trying to say for so long. Like, I feel the exact same way. There's such a pressure that exists on me, blah, 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 blah. And in my mind, I was like, all right, well, I think something needs to happen here. And so when I came back, it was my final semester of my undergrad. I was just doing like two electives. Um, I decided to do a unit called Launchpad at UWA that allows you to work on a, an idea, like a startup unit pretty much. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I was like, well, let me see how I can solve this issue around like men's stereotypes and men's mental health and see what will come about it. And it really was just an idea. But then, you know, as six months went on and because my reason for doing it was so strong, it continued and it grew into what it is today. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So by like um, trying to tackle your own problems, you sort of almost discovered like a bit of a gap where you could fit a business in. 
yeah, as well, exactly. which is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So you're saying it's a non-for-profit, yeah. were you? Yeah. What, what's sort of like the, the business aspect of running a non-for-profit like? like? Have you been involved in any other businesses um, yeah. before? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is all new to me as well, yeah, but yeah, I'm okay. still learning. Um, yeah. I do run a non-for-profit charity with my family. Mm. Um, it's called the Om Shanti Foundation. So yeah, because you're originally from Sri Lanka, yep. am I correct? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so that charity, um, I sort of experienced with my dad and my sister and that's really like, uh, doesn't, we don't really operate here. We operate in Sri Lanka where we help some disadvantaged families. But I think when it comes to understanding the way that a not-for-profit works is, I guess it's really like, what is the, the cause of the business? Like what is the, the reason for existing, right? Because I mean, it's cause like man up could easily run as like a four business. Like you could see it running as a four business okay. kind of yeah, type yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. And initially that actually was my idea, but Hasib was like, nah, nah, let's, let's run it as not for profit because like our message is strong. And we believe that if it is strong like this and it's such a societal issue, then we'll be able to get like support from like the government or whatever it is. And we can have more influence on like a larger scale, like whether that's influencing like the Australian curriculum to educate guys on these issues that we're talking about. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely like a, an option for us to go like the business side of things. But I think right now as it's not really like my full-time sort of commitment, like I've still got other ways of earning money. Um, we're like, well, we might as well just like, you know, have no barriers or no restrictions on it. Let's just give it it all, you know, man, see where it takes it. So. Well, I think, um, yeah, like it, especially for the sort of the business idea of what you're doing, a, a non-for-profit would makes sense really yeah. um and just adds an, an extra layer of legitimacy to so, what yeah. you're doing yeah um, sure. but yeah like so um how many people have you got on board um so the team is 10 right now so mm. we have a committee we have like four exec members and the four of us have essentially been on it since the start and the six other six have joined on this year and the idea is we refresh it like every year but for those who want to stay and are passionate will stay like mm. We're not running like a university club where you have to like change every year or anything like that. Um, and so we've got the 10 of us and we sort of run the actual operations of it. And then we have like a volunteer base. And so, like I said, when we go to schools, we try to get as many volunteers that come and share their stories with the kids as well. So our volunteer base is like a pool of like 80 students and you can do it. Anyone can do it. Mm -hmm. That's like a young male, you know, from that, that's graduated from high school. Um, and yeah, we'd run like training days with them as well to make sure that they're actually equipped to sort of like run the um, the workshops with us. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So we've got the committee, we've got volunteers, but I always say like on a social media sort of aspect of it, we have like a community and that community really pushes that message because mm. the issue around like gender inequality and men's mental health, it goes beyond man up. Mm. So I guess, you know, anyone who believes in it is on board of our mission, so. Yeah, well, okay. So how do you, how do you guys go about um, getting, I guess you would call them clients, right? Yeah, the schools. Yeah, the yeah, schools. Yeah, yeah. So is that just purely for word of mouth or do you guys approach schools? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, we started right at the end of 2019. And so 2020, what was the main thing that happened? It was COVID, right? COVID, yeah. So it was very difficult because we're like, how are we going to get into school? So what we did initially was we literally just emailed like cold mm. call schools, email schools, found friends who went to those schools, even like Christchurch and, you know, like, hey, because we're all old boys from there. We're like, let's... um. Let's just message teachers that we know, mm. see if we can get in. And so we did that, like sent out a hundred emails, got like two responses back, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well. They're like, what the heck is this man up there? <laughs> and, and, like we never heard of it before. Or some schools would be like, oh, we're doing something similar. We don't really need this. And it wasn't, in 2019, we really only got into like two schools properly. And that was Christchurch and Hale, both me and Asif's old schools. And that was because like we knew a teacher there that like gave us a chance. So we went in. Um, but I think what we realized really early on was that we needed to build some legitimacy and some credibility mm. for people to take it like more seriously. And 
even though like nothing had changed from my 2019 to 2020 in the sense of like what we do, what we changed was we developed that like um, social profile. So what we did then was like, because we got rejected like so hard at the start, we're like, well, let's see what we can do in the meantime. And COVID was a good excuse as well because schools were like, we can't take you because of yeah. COVID, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I was like, all right, what can I do instead? So I started to do like a lot of like online seminars and workshops like on Instagram and on Zoom as well. Um, started to build a website, um, had like in like a small podcast. I had like mm. some experts come and talk about their opinions on different issues around these topics. Um, and so within a year, we had built like 2,000 likes on Facebook, um, like 600 followers on Instagram. Like it's pretty good, you know what I mean? Like big reach. Yeah, it sounds like it's actually really, it's budding into something that could really blow up into yeah. a really positive. Yeah, um, it's, it's cool, man. Um, and like wow. I said, we really focused on the community in 2019. So we had like a quiz night as well, where we just got all our friends to come around. Had a, like a, it was a fun night, and but we also shared like our story and like why we started it. Um, and so by the end of 2020, it was like, we had this huge community support, had a website, had an email, like everything was sort of like ready to go. And so mm. when we approached the schools again, they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of you guys. You know what I mean? And we'll consider it. And, and it was way more successful. And, yeah, wow, well, okay. And slowly through word of mouth as well, we were like nominated for some awards as well. Like we were a finalist for the WA um, Youth Awards. We won um, the Seven News at Young Achiever Awards, which is sick. Wow, that's incredible. And since that moment, it's been the other way around. Schools have been contacting us, which was a first time ever. Like, well, Instead of you having to chase yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chase them. Um, wow. And we did have um, some work with a consulting company that helped us develop like a better proposal to send to schools because we had no business knowledge. So when we sent out our initial document, it's like an A4 piece of paper, which is like writing. They're like, nah, you need pictures, you need stats. You know what I mean? <laughs> it needs to be legit. It needs to be legit yeah. and look yeah. nice. So we got like a graphic designer to help us and that thing is still in the work. So we're confident that I guess when we send that out, it's gonna be even more like, whoa, this this is a legit company. So, but the way that I sort of view it as well is, I always try to think of a small business as like a small child, like it's not gonna do anything for like five years, right? You need to- um, You have to very nurture it and push it in the right direction. It, push, exactly, yeah. like always. I sort of just, I've always described it as like, um, cause I've been in a fold, I've involved in a few small businesses and yeah. I've only just started up my own one. Mm -hmm. Um, it sort of just feels like you're trying to catch everything and juggle everything while not <laughs> yeah. like letting everything like fall apart a Hard little bit. Yeah. yeah, and I can just picture it being like for the next few years, um, incredibly difficult to really give it its own momentum <laughs> and its yep. chance to really just, um, you know, take itself off and like let it do, let it do its own thing yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, no, that's really great to hear that it's actually turning into something where it's, you know, self-sustaining in yep. a way yep. um, for now. Um, so how did um, starting up, your own project impact your, your, cause you were saying before that you had issues with your mental mm -hmm. health mm -hmm. and all that. How did um, starting up your own um, project man up change that for you? Yeah. Did it have any positive, like a positive impact? Yeah, on your for mental sure. Health? For sure. Like I said, um, I was like, like I said, man up was sort of created for myself. And so, um, although we talk about these things like in terms of like being a healthy man and, you know, embracing like better mindsets and attitudes, like I'm not perfect, you know, and I mm. still do a lot of the the dumb things that I used to do. But what I'm the difference is I'm a bit more aware of it now, and I can sort of catch myself. And so what Man Up has done is it's allowed me to sort of um, just just know, like learn as well. Like I've learned so much just from being in this space because everyone in my committee is crazy. They're all like young, like medicine students. Like they're all so switched on. Mm. Like I'm like the worst one out of them, you know. <laughs> <what I mean? laughs> and so they inspire me to like be a better man as well, which is really sick. Um, and so I learn from them, and it's encouraging because it helps me understand that like this work is gonna make a difference as well. Um, but I think, as well as man up, like for me to sort of get into this healthier mind space, it definitely involved a lot of like work. It wasn't just like I sit back and chilled out. Like 
had to do like introspection to who I was, like psychologist work, you know, like even eating, like sleeping, eating and exercising is like a huge deal with like when it comes to like feeling good. Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they're such like they, when you're not on top of your fitness and you're not eating well, it's it can be difficult to get on top of things. Yeah. But once you start putting things in place to get on top of your diet, um, your sleeping habits and also your fitness, yeah, like it's it's probably the easiest way to really get on top yeah. of your yeah. mental health. It's almost like you build the foundation up, you know. And so I think if it wasn't for me doing that in the first place, I wouldn't have even had the energy to do man up, you know. Like mm. I wouldn't have had the motivation because it's not easy, as you know, to run a business. Like one small hurdle and then you give up, right? And so if I wasn't sort of like mentally, like I guess in a good space, I wouldn't have even continued it. So yeah, that's what yeah. it's allowed me to do. And now that it is running, it's almost like, well, now I gotta, I gotta hold it accountable, right? I gotta keep it going because I've said it. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, one deep question I was pondering bef just before we started um, was why, what do you reckon's the the biggest contributing factor to the overrepresentation of, of men in the suicide stats? I think it's like, a two out of every three suicides yeah. is male. Yeah. I think, yeah, two exactly, two out of mm. three, or it's like seven out of nine daily suicides, yeah. which wow. is crazy, right? Mm. Um, and it's interesting, because I'm learning about this as well. Um, the Man Up Boys, we're doing like a mental health first aid course right now. Um, and what we found is, I don't have the picture on me right now, but it was like a, a data from like 1920s to like now, mm. and it showed suicide rates. And I think per hundred or whatever, it was, I, I can't give you the exact numbers, but essentially the men's like over double, like every wow. single, like the whole. Leo, do you reckon you could try to find that for us? Yeah, I've got a photo of it. I can uh, maybe yeah, sure. put it up, um, but it was crazy. Anyways. Yeah, send, send me the photo. Yeah, oh. like right now? Yeah, yeah, oh, and I'll, sure. I'll send it to Leo. Yeah. Um, so from the 1920s, yeah, was it? It was like from um, 1920s to, to like now. Wow. Um, and it was, yeah, it was crazy sad. Hold on, I'll put it here. It's like a photo from, a screenshot, so it's like I've got it now on Instagram. I think it's sending. Gonna get producer Leo to pull it up for us. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send it to you now, Leo. Yeah, and if you put it up, we can even discuss it a little bit as well. Yeah, just send it to you now, Leo. Um. Yeah, because I think I think suicide such it's such a big topic, but it's also <coughs> something that many people are, are unwilling to discuss. Mm -hmm. And having like I've had a, a fair number of friends and family friends who have taken their own lives, yep. and the large majority of them have been have been men. Yep. Um, and I know a lot of people who have been impacted by suicide. But it also feels, even though we do live in such a progressive world now, and with mental health is becoming such a big discussion. Yeah. Um, it still feels like almost like a bit of a taboo 100%. to discuss it. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts behind that? Yeah. Um, I think that taboo is stemmed from like history of like people associating mental illness with like being crazy or being weak, right? Mm. And so, I think when it comes to men, especially, like you know, I've definitely been at the point where I haven't you know attempted or anything like that, but you know, I've had those thoughts, and I've had a close friend of mine admit to me that he was a few seconds away from taking his own life. Wow, that's heavy. And it was heavy because I was like, oh shit, like it just goes to show like he seems so normal on the outside, but then, you know, wasn't on the inside. And I think the, that pressure of, um, yeah, like, I'm not sure if you feel that, I'm sure you do, but as a man, especially in Australia, it's like, be strong. Like It's very, yeah, it's a very <laughs> traditional masculine type thing. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that we, we are definitely on, on, on a path to, to definitely changing that. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the whole like, 
you know, get married, work and have like a wife who stays at home yeah. and just cooks everything is definitely um, in the past. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, as you can see there right, on the photo, so men have been significantly higher. So it's like um, per 100,000. So men have been- Oh, so is that women? Yeah, women's the red yeah, line. Yeah, okay. Men yeah. is the blue line. Um, and the only drop for men was during the World War, which is pretty sad because yeah. obviously they were They're dying, all dying, dying in yeah. other ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, wow. been like, it's been like significant. And they've all, all these peaks and troughs have sort of been associated with like economic times or mm. like difficulties in the Great Depression, things like that. Um, even like other world, other wars as well. Mm. Um, but I was saying how I think for men, it's almost like this idea of even like the follow through. So what we learned on this course was that although men and women tend to have similar um, attempt rates, mm. men tend to be, I guess, more successful at suicide because yeah. what they do is they use more lethal means essentially mm. more like extreme methods more extreme methods mm. and i think even a part of that ties into like oh, i'm a man i should better kill myself properly yeah. you know what i mean like yeah yeah for sure 100 um which like is if it do, yeah like uh, yeah like you're more uh, uh, just from my own experience and like yeah. risk-taking behavior yeah risk-taking yeah you, i could definitely picture men just doing some extreme shit to yeah. try to take their own lives exactly um and it is sad but it is being talked about more and what i learned on the on this course as well and that we're learning nowadays is like don't be afraid to actually ask someone who you potentially think may be in that space if they're actually thinking of suicide because it won't actually do any harm in asking them that mm, you, can sure. never, you can never put the idea in someone's head to kill themselves mm. uh, if they already like got the idea so you know if you're thinking someone's like feeling really bad or they're just not showing up just know, ask just just literally yeah. just ask like mm. have you been thinking of killing yourself mm. or have you been having thoughts of suicide and if they say no, then okay, like relief a little bit. But mm. if they say yes, then it's better than you not knowing, right? Yeah, for sure. And if they say yes, you can find the appropriate means of getting them some help. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I always do think about like, uh, just think about how much you hold in and you don't show to the world. Yeah. Like it, I would, I would say that it'd be the large majority of your own thoughts and the way in which you feel you, most people do repress yeah. and keep in. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to just think about the fact that, People cannot. People only see what you show them. Exactly. So if you're only, if you really are struggling inside, and you are only showing that, you know, you're putting on a really yeah. brave face and all that sort of thing, it's yeah. Generally speaking, it's always really just a matter of time before all that repressed emotion and energy yeah. will make oh, you for crumble sure. for sure. Um, you can't, you, you can't hold up the front forever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, one thing I am also interested to talk to you about is your Sri Lankan culture. Are you heavily connected to your Sri Lankan um, culture? Relatively, not like mm. very much so. Like I was born here and raised here, but yeah. obviously we go there almost as much as we can. Um, haven't been there in a while because of COVID. Um, yeah, so what do you want to know about, I guess, um, the culture? Well, I, I've, I've never travelled. I've, I've been to a few places in the world, but I've never travelled to many Asian yeah. sort of countries, yeah. um, like India, Sri Lanka, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I just would love to know what it's yeah, like. Yeah, no, it's cool. Um, yeah. Sri Lanka is a beautiful country. Like it really is. It's got sort of everything. Like it's got mountains, it's got beaches, it's got cities, it's got um, like, you know, rural areas and all that. Um, but unfortunately the country has sort of been plagued. It was plagued by this like war that, that lasted for 25 years. Mm. Um, it was a war that started- was it civil? Yeah, civil, civil war. war. I, think yeah. It, I think it started in 1988 around that time and ended in 2009. I definitely didn't get the math right, but it ended in 2009, <laughs> I do know that. Um, and the war was, if you, when you look at it from back, like when you look at it now, you're like, it was so irrelevant because there's two s distinct sort of cultures in Sri Lanka. And so, but at the end of the day, they're both Sri Lankans, right? They're, they're both Sri Lankan people, just with different cultures. And this war that was sort of created to like separate them 
was what was what made this conflict happen and it lasted for so long 25 years and it wasn't like a world war where it was like heavy like combat it was more just like attacks like bombings like things like that that just didn't stop like a war of attrition yeah exactly yeah. um and so it was interesting because my parents um they're both from the city they're from, both from like the colombo but my dad is of one of those cultures and my mom is of the other and so them getting together during that war was almost like, oh, wow, yeah. that's risky. It was risky, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like my, my grandma was so against it for a while. Yeah. But I guess it proved that they found like a connection, mm. even though there were different Despite races. The, yeah. the difference. Despite the difference, yeah, yeah. the perceived differences. And so um, I guess me and my sister, as we were raised here, we sort of didn't understand like, why is there such a divide? Because they're just the same people at the end of the day. Mm. Um, and when, so the reason why like Om Shanti sort of started and all that was because, like I said, my dad was from the city. so. A lot of the fighting didn't actually happen in the city. It happened like in the rural areas. So my dad went up to the north where the fighting was happening um, afterwards, like after, because you weren't allowed to go there. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like t too dangerous. So dangerous. Yeah. So he went there, I think in 2014 or 2015 for the first time. And he was just so shocked at like the state of the city. Like it was, it was like his city like 30 years ago. He was like, there's no internet, there's no water. Mm. Like what's going on? Like, and it was almost like this atmosphere of like depression because a lot of the men were killed. A lot of the men were used as like, bait or they were using the war and so left behind were like widows with heaps of kids and the widows just seemed to feel so helpless and it was almost like even though the war had stopped yeah cool it was like this ongoing thing that had like messed up the whole like city like people just felt so disempowered and so that's why he wanted to i guess make a change through like micro businesses to like help them feel like they can like do something for themselves um but yeah like like i said the country is amazing but it's really sh like it's a shame that this war has sort of like done this to them because They've got everything to to be like almost like a second or third first world country, right? But mm. due to like the corruption and the history around it, it's sort of just left it in like a, a pretty bad state. Yeah, so, it's yeah. sort of just been destroyed and like yeah. left people left to fend for themselves. What's up there? You're good. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, it, it what religion um, does Sri Lanka sort of? What's the most popular religion? Um, I actually don't know the most popular, but I don't know the three common. It would be like Christianity, Buddhism, and Hindu. Wow, okay. Yeah. So it's a very diverse, very diverse. eclectic range. Yeah, Do yeah. you subscribe to any of those beliefs? Um, not really, no. Nah. Yeah. I've, I've got Have more you had a secular sort of upbringing? Yeah, so my mum is Buddhist and my dad mm. is Hindu. So wow. obviously separate. Yeah. But what they've sort of taught me, and which I believe, I wish everyone sort of understood as well, is like at the end of the day, they're actually, they're pretty much all the same thing. Like they're yeah. all preaching for you to like be a good person, like follow your values and believe in, I guess, like a sense of self greater than yourself, you know what I mean? And so my sort of spiritual beliefs stem from those understandings. And so I've kind of come up with my own way of understanding the world and, and God in that sense. Yeah, I, I don't right. necessarily subscribe to a specific religion, but I've sort of handpicked like what I like about each of them mm. and applied it to my own understanding. Wow, okay. Yeah. So you so you, you are a believer in, in, a, in a divine being? Yeah, yeah. You are? Yeah. Okay, that's it, interesting. I, I, yeah. But I wouldn't, it's not like a figure or anything like that. It's more just like yeah. energy and like energy and idea. Yeah. Or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 growing up, I, in terms of spirituality and religion, I'm always, it's always such a split um, yeah. opinion about it because deep down, I really do want there to be something yeah. like that because I just think that'd be fucking cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always just get this feeling that I, because I'm such a hardcore, of like, course. I love science. I'm yeah. well into that. I just, yeah. Man, I and, and it's also like a very Australian thing. Like, not many Australians yeah. are religious at all. No, for sure, for that. sure. Yeah, um, and the majority of them who are just like weird Christians <laughs> who do weird shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like our prime minister is <laughs> like a fanatical Christian. Real, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So what are your views on um, sort of like the comparison between like Hinduism and, and Christianity, like Western sort of um, yeah. religion? Wow. It, I actually don't know much about Hinduism, to yeah. be honest, but maybe I'll talk about Buddhism or... Mm. Yeah, 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 for sure. So like, um, I think Buddhism, my mum's always sort of told me that it's it's more like a way of life rather than like a religion. And so the sort of premise is, is a little bit dark, but it's like life is suffering. And the way mm. that they say it is that if everything is suffering, then you can find sort of peace within it. And so with Buddhism and like this whole idea of like the Buddha and all that kind of stuff is enlightenment essentially, right? Enlightenment is a state of place where you've transcended beyond your identity of like, of Gareth, of Zach. You're connecting to that energy that exists everywhere right now. Mm. And so I think in the modern society, it's pretty difficult to sort of hit that space because of we're so materialistic, you know what I mean? Like And individualistic particularly. Yeah, we're so um, individualistic, right? It's always like, what, what, what can I do? What can I achieve? What can, you know what I mean? What can be the best for my family? But it's mm. never like, it's interesting because like I read this quote, um, I'm not sure if it was a Buddhist one or not, but it definitely links to Buddhism, but it was saying how like the wave, no, enlightenment is when the wave realizes it's the ocean. And I was like, shit, like that's like- That is fucking deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's almost wow. like us, like we're like waves in the ocean and we think like, it's just, everything is about us. But, yeah, yeah, but, but then, together but we're, then we're when the we die, entire ocean. Yeah, when, well, exactly. Mm. If I do something, it's gonna affect the consciousness of like, I guess humanity, you know what I mean? Mm. And so when you look at things like that, like whether it's true or not, when you look at things like that, you sort of have this, you have like gratitude almost. You're like, whoa, you start to appreciate things a little bit more mm. and you start to like see things from like a lighter light, like, well shit, like then my problems aren't as big as I thought they were, you know? Um, mm. And then you notice like things like the war in Sri Lanka, like you see these kids living without water, living without electricity, living without parents and you're like, I'm so lucky right now. Yeah, so know? yeah, this is that's an interesting point. Like, I um, you hear a lot about um, people activists for for veganism, gay rights, and all these things, which are absolutely brilliant. Like, I believe anybody should be able to do whatever they want. Um, but it's it, it's I sort of feel like it sometimes gets to the point where people sort of are unable to just put their heads up and smell the roses and just yeah. really smell like how good we truly do have it. Yeah. Um, I think on the last podcast with Rami we did, we we're talking about the poverty line. Yeah. Um, how like in Western countries, Western countries are the only countries where you can be below the poverty line, but also be morbidly obese. Wow. Like the true, the true, true poverty looks like people who haven't eaten for like weeks yeah. and have, yeah. don't have clean water and like their ribs are just yeah, like yeah. hanging out. That's um, not what true poverty is. And yeah, I, I always do find myself, I have to remind myself that, wow, we really do have it. Um, so great. Yeah. And particularly now in, with COVID yeah. as well. Um, yeah. There are so many other countries right now that could, you know, are really not going to be able to recover from it yeah. um, economically and yeah. also from a health Definitely. point of view. And um, I, think, I think you should never, I guess, downplay your own emotions and like your own struggles. Like it's fine like if you feel upset, right? Like even if you have like the smallest thing the perceived smallest thing happen and you get really upset about it like that's okay like that's you but what you can do is about understanding i guess the greater context of the world you can i guess feel appreciative of the things that you do have you know what i mean like you never downplay your issues because then that's repression in itself like feel the emotion but then understand they don't have to stay in that emotion because or like, figure out ways to to deal with it yeah, and not just to, to get bogged down yeah. in your own feelings yeah yeah mm. exactly yeah for sure um yeah, okay, so would you subscribe to any hardcore political beliefs, would you say? I actually have no understanding of political you know, beliefs. No. Yeah, I'm sorry about <laughs> no, that. No, no, it's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it sounds like you're very, um, you're very 
a progressively minded sort yeah. of person. Yeah. Um, have you have you got many friends who are in the LGBTQI community? Um, yeah, I've got a few actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for them, it was it's interesting because it's like an issue that I never really thought about until I left school either. You know what I mean? Um, but I love the way that they sort of explain things to me. Um, even like to be honest, like even learning a lot about the realities like like the women and the non-binary community like sort of go through just on the day to day um, has like shocked me. Like for example, small things like just they can't even like be themselves. Like I, I was, I'll talk about the like, women for a second as well. But just like um, you know, like going in an Uber, right? For me, for you, that's like easy. Just pretty go, chill. Pretty chill. Yeah. Don't worry about anything. Can even sleep if we want to. For like a girl, man, it's like they gotta worry about their safety. They worry yeah. about what the driver's gonna do and things like that. And so, um, I think when it comes to like the LGBT community, I have a gay friend and he's struggled a lot with his mental health as well. Um, and I think it's definitely like because of that in itself, because like the society and the culture that we sort of go through, like even the words that we use, like oh, don't be so gay. You know what I mean? Like mm. just we were just talking about this yeah. before, actually. Yeah, yeah exactly. just using using it as look. Because I mean, like I I. I'm guilty of it sometimes. I'll, I'll just be around with a oh, bunch of mates here. and yeah. I'll be like, oh, that's yeah, gay it, as fuck. It's, like, it's who you hang out with. Yeah. It really does depend who you hang out with. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. And you, you, you sometimes fail to think about how that might impact somebody yeah. who is actually yeah. homosexual. And, um, and I was, what I noticed as well is friends who have sort of been closeted, like mm. they are gay, but they sort of haven't like admitted it to the world and publicly they're they're definitely in like a state of like you can see their mental health like so like low and they just don't feel like themselves and and then once he that friend sort of like came out it was like a whole new world like although he, he like he was so much happier like he sort of like changes like career path you know what i mean mm -hmm. like doing like all these cool things wow like, that's that's insane yeah and i was yeah. like well yeah. that's crazy because he accepted who he was but it's it's sad how there's a pressure like from society that like if you're that, then you know you're different from us, whatever it mm. is. And so, yeah, it's, it it is an unfortunate thing, I guess that I don't have to experience. You know what I mean? But um, it it exists. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just think it's such a shame. On two points, um, that that issue is politicized. Mm. I don't really. Chris, do you know who Christopher Hitchens is? He's a very famous atheist. Yeah. Um, did, did a lot of writing against like the, the Catholic Church and all that yeah. sort of thing. But um, he, he was really good friends with Stephen Fry, the okay. actor who was a homosexual. Right. Um, um, and he just put it put it simply that like, why would anybody want to stand in the way of somebody loving somebody else? Literally. Yeah, because yeah. that's really all it is. And that's always been my view on it. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand why we have to get so politicized yeah, about it. For sure, it. for sure. Um, but yeah, to, to what we we're talking about before with women having to really um, be careful. I just think it's such a shame that like, uh, I, I, would, I would argue that it's, a small portion of men who really do act in terrible ways. Yeah. And yep. we like a lot of really great people who I know and just the general cohort of men yep. um, get painted with the same brush. And it really is such a shame, yep. which is why I think it's important what you're doing yep. um, to really teach guys that we really need to start lifting each other up yep. in ways and making each other like accountable. Exactly. For some people's fucking um, poor behaviors. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it does suck. Like um, how some girls, feel about you know getting into ubers and stuff because um i was talking to uh, a friend from tafe who's um 22 year old girl and uh i told her how i was coming home on the train from clubbing it was at like nearly 2 a.m and i had my earphones in i was just listening to music and dozing off while on the train home and she had a massive go at me she's like how can you have your earphones in how can you not be aware of your surroundings yeah. on the train so late at night and i'm yeah. just like 
don't know. I, I felt pretty safe. Yeah, Nobody seemed hostile. Exactly. Yeah, it's this idea of like male privilege. Um, I, one of my recent podcasts on like the Man Up one was on like male privilege, right? And it's it's easy for like a lot of guys to get like defensive whenever you know a woman mentions something or whatever it is to do. With, I, like, I'm I'm guilty. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm guilty yeah. as well. But um, I think it's it's really nice to sort of be open and learning about it. So I was reading this book. Um, it was a book called Boys Be Boys written by like a really like strong feminist writer and she has like huge like views about these um, things. And as I was reading the book, like I was like triggered like half the book, you know what I mean? But I was, instead of like getting defensive and like stop. stop was that the book you were sharing on your, um, your Instagram? No, nah, that day? was that was another one called oh, okay. Man Enough by Justin Bardoni. That was a good one. This one I read a bit a few years back and rather than, like, obviously I got triggered, right? But rather than like getting defensive and shutting the book, I was like, let me just keep reading and like really understand this issue. And as I kept reading it, there was, literally just one sentence that sort of changed everything when it came for me understanding this. And it was no matter who you are, like what kind of guy you think you are at some point in your life, you have made a woman feel uncomfortable. And I was like, Whoa, because you know, for so long, like, and I still am like, I'm a good guy, right? Like I believe I'm yeah, a good yeah, guy, sure. I do good things, but maybe it was like, I could have looked at someone for a, a lot prolonged period and it would have made them feel uncomfortable or mm. maybe my hand touched someone, you know what I mean? Like at a club or whatever it is. And so it made me realize that perhaps the smallest things could be, could have the biggest uh, impacts on someone else. And we just don't realize it or accept it. And just by having that sort of mindset, it's made me really like become aware of my actions. And yeah, it's helped me with this whole like man up stuff. And mm -hmm. even like the small things, like in the sentences we say, I like, don't be a pussy, blah, 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 things like that. It, it's allowed me to sort of, um, yeah, change that culture within my friendship group. But I know that's got a long way to go, but it's so interesting to, cause I didn't even think that male privilege was a thing, you know I mean? Until I started reading these books and I guess, listening to the women in my life like that was a huge thing as well i have a lot of chick friends and they tell me everything and and it just blows my mind i'm like well as if you had to think about this you know what mm -hmm. i mean and so i think just by listening and like actually properly listening not just like mansplaining or like you know what i mean like trying to like um justify it, like actually just stopping and like listening to their stories because it's valid you know mm. yeah well okay um yeah i was i was actually seeing a girl um last year and she would always tell me these random stories about how like there was this guy that she was working with yeah. um would always come up and like like touch her on the ass and yeah. shit yeah and that she had experienced of like like quite regularly um no matter where she goes she always gets um essentially sexually harassed yeah and i told her to to do something about it like you need to tell somebody about this and yeah. it was like this weird conversation where she really she knew what was happening to her wasn't okay, yeah. um, but she just was unwilling to do anything about it because I guess probably because she just feels like it's completely normalised um, yeah. in such a way. Even though we do, like as I mentioned before, we do live in such a, like the, the most modern times ever mm -hmm. um, in terms of how people view the world and what's okay and what's not yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to hear her talk about that was a little bit shocking because, um, yeah. yeah, like I don't, like I've got a lot of um, chick friends as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we don't really talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It was just a really interesting no, it's good, it's good. You know what I mean? Um, and even so, like, I guess a lot of the blame and ownership, we always try to uh, attribute it to the woman. Like when it comes to like rape or whatever it is, we're like, oh, they shouldn't have worn that or they shouldn't have been so flirty. But why don't we ever like look at the guy and be like, why didn't he just shouldn't have raped her? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, like yeah. I'm not going to sit and defend, <laughs> like if you're raping, uh, women, that's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, what you do. Exactly. Like, that's fucked like, up, man. They, we should we need to shift that focus to be like, how can we prevent it from happening, rather than how do we stop women from having to prevent it from happening? Because mm -hmm. yeah, 
The, yeah, okay. the, the craziest story that I ever heard was um, from one of my chick friends, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, <laughs> I think she was 18 at the time. Not going to say her name, obviously. She was 18 at the time, and uh, she was working at EB Games. And um, my jaw was on the floor when she told me this. She told me that um, her boss, who is, I think, in his like late 20s or early 30s, he actually asked her for a three-way with him and his girlfriend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she was 18. Yeah, man. Working yeah. at well, EB yeah. Games. It's actually pretty... What, what did yeah. she say? Um, <laughs> I, don't, so, she? don't say she said yes. No, 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 of course not. Oh. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, That'd o- have been obviously, an twist. Yeah. obviously she said no, but um, she didn't get fired. I know that. I don't exactly remember what happened. I don't mm. think she went into detail. I don't think I asked. Well, the fact but, that, uh, yeah, yeah, people have to put up with that shit in their workplace is so um, shit, man. Yeah, it's exactly. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you see, uh, are you a gamer? Big gamer? Nah, man. No, so <laughs> Activision, do you know right. the people who made Call of Duty? Yeah, yeah. They, they're getting sued by the Californian um, government. Wow. Um, because they're, apparently their their workplace culture is absolutely Ew. shocking, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, it was just really fucked to see that. They're such a profitable and large company mm-hmm. um, and had a lot of success over the years and apparently like they've they would host like these these work parties and everybody all the dudes would get drunk and they would just essentially go and like try hunt allegedly no so i don't get sued for defamation yeah Um, (laughs) yeah so yeah but allegedly they would they would go out get really drunk and so start groping all the the female workers and stuff dude good Yeah. yeah it's fucked up um so yeah what um talking about male behavior do you think that it's stems from an environmental issue or is it also a lot to do with male biology um how the male brain is made up yeah where it's very obviously dudes is like to fuck everything that moves yeah for sure for sure um yeah yeah so what, what what's it's, your thoughts it's on that? interesting and i gotta be careful you know with where i sort of talk about this stuff and i would you know the debate is like you know men are like this because of like the primeval days like where you had to like hunt to get all these things and yeah fair enough like maybe that's why men have like bigger muscles or whatever because they had to hunt the lions right but then the way that i sort of frame it now is are we still in those days or you know what i mean yeah because, yeah, yeah sure because okay. i get it like we we need to like spread our seed and do all this kind of stuff but i don't think biology should excuse the behaviors when it comes to like assault especially when like we that. have the power now to actually do something about yeah, it yeah yeah and it's yeah. almost like well each each generation or so of humanity like faces its own challenges and has new opportunities to change because that's what evolution is right where it's about becoming better and so even when it comes to like men i think a huge play is definitely like culturally as well like even when i look at like my dad for example like he doesn't really understand like mental health to the extent that i do yeah now that, um, now that it's my yeah dad. exactly yeah. and and the small things and you know like your friend's boss you know a little bit older than us like had those attitudes and it's so prevalent amongst like older men and so our generation is interesting because we're sort of at this place where we have these instincts still, right? Like we feel like we want to do things or whatever it is, but then there's also this whole other side of education and information that's telling us like, it's not good to do these things. Like we need to become better. So it's like, well, we then have the opportunity then to unlearn masculinity as such. You know what I mean? Like how can we choose to, to be better people in the sense that when we are older, our children, it doesn't have to be a question that they have to like think about actively. Like it's normal for them to just be good humans. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, so I think, it's difficult because yes, a part of it has come from like biology and like this instinct for us to like be really impulsive and do these things. But I, I, I think it's just, it's, we can't be using that as an excuse anymore because mm. 
times are changing and you know we we're hearing so much more about like women's rights and things like that and so it's like how can we how can we actively make a conscious choice to like be better and that's our challenge for our generation then mm. the next one will be something else you know so for sure for sure um, yeah yeah it's interesting you bring up like i i just use the word dinosaur mm. for like old dudes like what you were just <laughs> talking about with with managers yeah. and we all know dudes like that that yeah. are just like super old school yeah people you just like you you aren't going to say something to because their their brain's so solidified in the yeah. way that they think. Oh yeah, for sure. That it's really like a nut, like a grandparent. Yeah. Like my grandparents can sometimes be a little <laughs> bit racist. Yeah. And then oh, it'll be like at a lunch. Yeah. And you're like, ah, uh, <laughs> anyway, okay, probably exactly. shouldn't said that, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I, I always think about that in terms of when we see the, all these politicians um, in our country, particularly. Yeah. Um, I. I've yet to see somebody who with who has any sort of level of power who I've actually been inspired by, yeah. um, particularly with our prime minister at the moment. Yeah. Um, like policy aside, like how good the economy is doing is one thing, but I want to be able to look at somebody who's leading the country and be, yeah, as I said inspired. before, inspired yeah. by. Like I don't, I've never ever, I think I've voted like in the federal election like three times now. <laughs> And never have I just been like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. like imagine being like a 12-year-old kid um, wanting to do like great things for the world and stuff and then looking yeah. up and seeing like oh, yeah, Scott exactly. Morrison's weirdly shaped oval head <laughs> and just some of the comments yeah, like man. he makes, man. It's just really such a shame. Yeah, it is, it is a shame. And I often see like, even like, like, for example, at UWA, like we've got like the Guild and all that kind of stuff, right? And that's essentially the prerequisite for like politics in the, the government. But like, yeah, you see the people that kind of go for it and it's like, are they really doing it for a better cause, or is mm. that just power hungry people that like will kind of? Lose, it would it you know would I mean? definitely like, attract some 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 bizarre yeah, yeah, power complex yeah. type. But then you then I, I start to notice all well, these are probably the same people that go into politics, and it's a shame because I guess the intellectual people and the people that we do look up to go into different pursuits. So yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like it 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 does give me like hope though, because like they're old as fuck, like all these politicians, <laughs> so they will die soon. Yeah, like. Yeah. Whatever. And as you're saying, like the generations will roll through, like yeah. we'll have our problems like we have now and they will get solved, yeah. hopefully. Um, and then, yeah, younger generations will um, have different problems that, exactly. you know, maybe we will be like, yeah. that's dumb. Yeah, 100%. But all these, all these I, kids are going to be like I can in the streets I can guarantee that there's going to be something that we think is like disgusting now. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And then in 50 years, our kids can be like, granddad, like, why are you so, like, whatever it is. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, what did you study at, at university? Um, yeah, so I did an undergrad in management and marketing. Um, oh, okay. And right. right now I'm just doing like a grad cert. It's almost like a qualification type thing in business psychology. So that's sort of where my professional skills lie. So like organizational psych yeah, sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and wow. I also like did a cert for in like personal training as well. So, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, so organizational psychology – what made you want to do that? Um, so it's funny because at year 12, I was surrounded by people that were getting eight times above 99. And so for them, it was like doctor, engineer, lawyer, right? That's like freak of nature. Yep. <laughs> and for me, I was, I was smart, but I wasn't as smart as them. And so I didn't have like this assured sort of pathway. didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I just did what everyone else sort of does and just did commerce at UWA. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm doing commerce right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> And so I remember reading the handbook like in year 12, being like, what the hell am I going to study next year? Because I have to yeah. study, right? If I don't study, then I'm dumb or whatever mm. it is. So I'm um, looking through and like accounting, not after, finance, not after. So I came across management and I was like, 
this seems like the most broad like degree like seems pretty like mm. like covers everything like not necessarily specific things so i'm like well let me go into that so i did that and i did my un- second so it's like a major and a minor minor in um <laughs> it was actually in environmental science initially wow so my first semester i did that and that but then environmental science was just so bad i was like no 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 but really boring. Really boring. It, it was exactly like year twelve geography. I was like, oh, I think yeah. it'd be like a bit better than this, but it wasn't. Yeah. So I was like, drop it. And in the at, when I was doing the ma- management thing, I was also doing um, a unit in marketing. So I'm like, I actually really like this marketing unit. Let me pick that up instead. So I dropped that, picked up marketing. Um, and I guess what I learned throughout the whole degree was a nice, like, holistic sort of approach to business as well, because. Like I said, it's not like a specific thing. Like it's not like accounting where like you're doing a specific sort of like professional thing. Management was like an overall outlook on it. And marketing is so like broad now as well. Like it applies to everything. Marketing is like how mm. you present yourself. And so um, I was really interested. And at the same time I started, so I work at Macca's as well as a shift manager. That's my dad's business. And so I'm part-time there. So he, he owns a franchise. Yeah, yeah. Macca's he's, he's really? Um, he owns six of them in the wow. North. Yeah, yeah. So six of them? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> So well, I don't that. know how I feel about that. Jeez, <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, so yes, yeah. that, that's his um, sort of line of business. Yeah. You know what I mean, so yeah. I was like, well, let me just get a part. I'll get a part time job there while studying and you know learning about this stuff. And it was cool because as a manager, I was learning what I was learning in university, but getting to apply it like practically. And the new, there's like this, it's just the smallest things like the way you interact with your like the crew. Like it makes such a big difference in their productivity and the way that they. Being a manager with shift. some sort of level of power yeah, over them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, although at university I was learning about it on paper, applying it in real life was like the where the magic was actually happening. And so, I guess I was, I did grow to love it. You know what I mean? Like, I still, I, like, the motivation was like, I just didn't know what I was doing. That's why I did that. But as I did it, I really started to enjoy it. And it almost felt like second age to me. And so, going into this grad in business psychology, it's actually a psychology degree but it's essentially the same stuff that I learned in management. It's mm. all very sort of easy to me. Yeah. But a lot of the psych students are like, oh, whoa, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so like new to them. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I guess it's sort of entrenched into me now. And mm. even when it comes to like working at Mac, it's like, um, I'm, I don't want to like toot my horn or whatever, but like I'm one of the strongest managers there because mm. I know how like the mindsets of the crew work and I know what they're into and how to sort of appease to them so that they can give me the best sort of performance mm. when they're working. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, like the first serious job I ever had was at Hungry Jacks, and the manager um, there was an absolute prick. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, I didn't <laughs> like him at all. Exactly. And you would like, you would just be dreading going into work, and like, <laughs> as soon as you get there, you would be like eating everything behind his back, <laughs> like cooking up nuggets, and you're like, fuck you. Yeah. Which HS did you work at? Um, at Carringer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I, I would go to school. I would come home, and then I would ride my bike. Um, all from, the way from up. here to carrying up, yeah, to wow. carrying up, yeah, and stay there from like five to like one in the morning, yep, um, a few times a week, and <laughs> it taught me a lot about what I didn't want to be doing. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, being a manager, um, do you feel like you'll be doing that at at that business for a while, or um, are you using it as a bit of a a leg up? Yeah, to something more so of like a leg up. So originally, like I said before my sort of set career pathway was to take over the business. Yeah. Um, and that's what my dad sort of wanted me forever. I didn't really know that until like recently. He was like, you know. You're gonna be you, part of the family yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when, yeah. You take, when you take over, like I can't wait for you to do this. And I was like, uh, and I felt like this huge like, anxiety of like, this is not what I want to do. Like it's, it's an amazing opportunity, mm. right? Because it is like the business model is per, almost like impenetrable, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, I think as I did that sort of self-evaluation, who I was and what I wanted to do, 
I wanted to do something that was more aligned with myself and my values. And so right now, um, right now, actually, I love working there as like a shift manager because it's so much fun. Like I'm literally working with like 15, 16, 17 year old kids and they help me understand like the work I do with Man Up. They help me understand like, you know. Well, that's your demographic, right? Exactly. For Man Up. Yeah. Mm. And so I've, I've come to realize that a skill of mine is like working with those aged kids and almost like pointing them in better directions because you know, I'm working in like area like up north, right? And so a lot of the kids there, they don't do ATAR, you know, they don't study a lot. They come to work almost as an escape. Mm. And so it's like, well, if this is an escape for them, how can we create like the best escape for them? And like know? a healthy environment healthy where they're environment. not going to be dreading. Yeah, bro. And like, you know, they yeah. see my car and they're like, oh, yes, Gareth's here. You know what I mean? Like, like that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> no, that, yeah, that must be a great feeling because yeah. um, you were essentially like the boss, yeah. right? Yeah. Of these, of these, of this small workforce. Um, yeah, I always hope that, but my aspiration is to, to really create a working environment mm -hmm. that, yeah, people can, even if it is like something at McDonald's, yeah. um, I would just hope that I would be able to build a working environment that people love and well, feel that's comfortable. That's what at. matters, right? Because yeah. that's how you're going to get the best work from them as well. For so. sure. Like, we'll, uh, yet again, we're talking about this last podcast. Like, if you, if you don't create a good working environment, we're talking about grilled. Yeah. Because um, there's been some accusations around grilled and the, the way in which they set up their their working culture. Right. It's quite toxic, um, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Always put it in. Yeah, dude. Because you don't want to fuck around with that. Um, or according to Shaq, I don't know how yeah. reliable of a source. No, he is. I've got a I've got a few different sources. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like he was just saying that um, if you don't set up a good working environment, like it's really it's really bad for your business. Yeah. Um, it it, it your bottom line, like people aren't going to be working as hard. Yeah. It's not going to create a very good um, environment for the customers yeah. as well because yeah. it's just going to be like this unspoken, repressed rage. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Like, it's going to come out one way or another, right? Just yeah, like for sure. And as yourself. a customer, like you, you're going, you're paying for a service, um, whether it be like a really expensive restaurant or, or, or a fast food yeah. joint. Um, you don't want to be talking to some like 17 year old dude who's like pissed as fuck. Yeah. Um, you just want to be like treated with a little bit of respect. Yeah. But like if, if you've ever worked in a place like that, you sort of understand that it can be, yeah. It's um, very high stress. Yeah. Cutthroat, yeah. man. Cause yeah. um, like you work in long hours, it's not the most enjoyable job. Yeah. You can't sit down. Like, yeah, simple exactly. Things, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I studied um, a little bit of man or have done a little yeah. bit of management stuff for yeah. my degree because yeah. it wasn't part of the commerce um, like major. Yeah. So, but I, I, I knew that I wanted to like tap into the management yeah, stuff. For sure. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was really good. And I, I feel like, to be honest, I feel like you don't need to do a degree in management to understand. No, you don't. Like yeah. it's, um, it, that's what I was feeling like when I was studying it. Yeah. It's, um, reading about it and like doing all the theory just feels like it's not going to teach you nah, much. No, no, no. It's, um, you, it's one of those things that you have to do yep. to really understand how exactly. it works. Um, and particularly like, like I couldn't imagine like being you because yeah. how, so how many people would, did you say that you were in your team for man up? Um, right now it's 10. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're obviously a director. Yeah. You, yeah. You're responsible for these people. Yeah. Um, do you feel like that wanes heavily on, on you? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, Cause like I said, this is like a, a business that we're like borning, like it's becoming a thing as we are developing. So the, uh, like the first year we started 2020, 2020 that year, we had, did have a committee as well, except because me and Haseeb really didn't know the actual business of what we were doing ourselves, the committee sort of were like really unengaged and nothing really happened. But then as this year came along, we sort of had like more roles set out and we knew what we wanted to do and the outcomes we were able to like communicate them more effectively mm. and just because of that huge like huge difference and so yeah like I de i've definitely felt pressure of like 
even still, I'm like, well, who am I to like be in charge? Like, I'm just a little bit older than them, but like, I have no degree in like management. Like, they're all doctor kids, they're all like about to be yeah. doctors. So, does that I mean? make like, you feel a little bit like you aren't like, yeah, like you don't have the right yeah, prerequisites it's, for the it's role? It's like the um mm. the imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Um, and I remember when I was sort of learning about like starting a business and stuff, the lady that was helping me was like, we all feel it, you know what I mean? Like it's normal, but the only difference between like someone that continues is they just are willing to continue. Like they, they fight through it. And, and once I realized that that imposter syndrome was like a normal feeling and everyone's sort of faking it until they're making it. Yeah. Then yeah. it made me feel a lot more confident to like just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people um, who had either started their own businesses, they're, they're artists, they're, yeah. they're musicians. And that's like a very, very common strategy for yeah. a lot of people. It's like they, most people don't really know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> exactly. And they're really just floating <laughs> around and really trying to make sure. And they just make it look like they know what they're doing. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Well, and, but as long as you can instill trust in people, um, yeah. they will follow your every word. Um, yeah. It's sort of been my experience as yeah. well. And especially with the man up stuff. And like you said, if you can uh, give them that trust. For me, it's like, well, how can I be what I'm preaching to them? You know, I mean, how can I be a good man as such like yeah yeah how can i be authentic with them and how can i be vulnerable and you know like i've been vulnerable with them like every time we have meetings we do like these things called sweet and sours where it's like what's something good that happened in the week or something bad that happened in the week and you know like all of them are kind of talking about like some surface level things and they come to me and i was like well uh, pretty bad you know mentally like mm -hmm. i have to go to the psychology you know what i mean like i yeah, fully like yeah. open up to them and mm -hmm. they're like oh gareth's going through stuff as well like it's okay for me to go through something and so um, I think when I do that, they're able to sort of like relate to me a bit better as well and realize that I'm human just like them. Mm. So do you um, still see a psychologist, even though, because I'm just gathering that yep. your mental health has, has greatly improved because mm -hmm. um, you've put measures in place to deal yeah. with it. Um, do you feel like people often associate seeing a psychologist with having a mental illness yeah. and not yeah. just maintaining mental yeah, health? Definitely. And to be honest, at the start, um, that was me. Like, yeah. um, so that, that year of 2017, 2018, the start of it, I started seeing a professional um, psychologist to get, get some help. And I started to feel like, he, like heaps better, you know mm. what I mean? Just getting and shit off your chest. Yeah, getting shit off my yeah, chest. It's and, pretty powerful. And, and those like behaviors stopped, like the self-harm stopped, all that kind of stuff stopped. Uh, but then like a few months, um, as I, as I was into it, like I stopped in like April or whatever, I just stopped. Like I was like, mm. I'm better and I'm good. I'm good. I don't need psych. I'm, I'm chilling. Yeah. But then slowly as the year went on, like I slowly started to stop doing some of those habits that I was doing and stopped talking to people. And eventually I was sort of back at it. And so 20, 2019, right at the start of it, same thing happened again. Mm. And I was like, fuck, like this is something I got to keep sort of looking after. I can't just like, like fix it and it's better. Mm. It's like a, it's like when you break your knee, right? Or like you break some bone in your body. Sure, you can get it better and recover it, but will that knee ever be the same as it was originally? Probably not. Probably like I need not. to keep managing it, right? Yeah. And so that was sort of the mistake that I made um, in 2018 when I was like, I'm good, one time fix is okay. Mm. So 2019, I started seeing one more consistently, but um, it wasn't like every week or whatever. It was like every two months, like just spread it out. Like mm. just have some one objective to sort of keep me accountable and keep me in check. And so I still practice that to this day. Like I'll see a psych like once every two or three months just to like, yeah, share what's in my mind things that I don't feel comfortable sharing with friends, you know what I mean? And and I don't see it as like I'm mentally ill because I'm seeing a psych. In fact, I'm seeing a psych to get me even better, you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, that, so that's what I was, that's what I yeah. mean. Like um, a lot of people associate seeing a psychologist and a psychiatrist, if you're seeing a psychiatrist, yeah. um, as people who uh, who actually have like severe mental health, health problems. problems. Yeah, yeah. But I think what what's should, the, the change needs to happen is that there are a lot of people 
who actually see psychologists who yep. don't have mental health issues, yeah. they are seeing a psychologist just to maintain their yeah, stability. Exactly. And just essentially like maintaining a car in a way. Like yeah. you just need to make sure that your mental health is in check, consistently in yeah. check. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it sort of becomes like a habit. Yeah. And I've always sort of believed that like growing up, I just, I always had this weird belief about like what it is to be happy. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I got into my early twenties that you realize that it's <coughs> being happy is sort of like, it just like a habit yep. really. You need to remind yourself yeah. that to, to try and be happy about exactly. things. Um, yeah. and the belief that like one day, like if you're feeling like shit, um, and the belief that one day, okay, it's all good now, but like, I'll be, I'll be happy one day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's, it doesn't quite it doesn't work, work like that. Like yeah. that you need to consistently just be like putting measures in place yeah. and patterns. Um, what, what measures do you put in place um, to happy? Well, I, I used to see a psychologist when yep. I was younger. That's yep. because I was going through some pretty yeah. hectic shit. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't I don't see a psychologist. So I don't yep. feel like I need to. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I try not to drink much, um, even though I do like having a drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I used to take a lot of drugs yep. um, as well, recreationally. Yep. Um, and even though I never really felt like I had a problem with drugs, it definitely put a lot of stress For on sure. my mental health, especially because sure. I was uh, pretty young. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't. Oh yeah, it would, it would have affected your brain somehow without yeah, even sure. realizing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, yeah, it just there was all these weird pressures going on, and yeah, I just try to steer clear of all that now. Yeah. Um, what else do I do? I keep myself very busy. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't exercise, but I <laughs> probably fucking should. Um, yeah, but um, I mean, yeah, like it's, I don't feel like I was. I'm as fragile now as I yeah. was, yeah. so I don't put as much into Cause you've it. like strengthened the foundation of yeah, yourself. For right? sure. Yeah. And I've, yeah, as I said before, like I've learned to just consistently be reminding myself that, you know, Oh fuck, look, it's okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I'm, why am I freaking out? Like I just need <laughs> to relax. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess that just stems down to a bit of social anxiety and like anxiety as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my lowest point was probably, uh, December and January. That was, that was my lowest point. Wasn't sure if I was going to get out of that, but really? somehow I did. January yeah. this year. January this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. December last year. Do you want to talk about yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say a little bit about it. Um, basically, like September, I was on a real high. I was loving TAFE. Um, had a good group of mates, yeah. and uh, I was seeing a girl who was awesome. She was the best. And uh, November. Was it late October? It was either late October or early November. Everything came crumbling down. Um, I lost all my friends from uh, high school. I just cut them all off because uh, well, they kind of stopped inviting me out and they were having parties without me and shit. So I just cut them all off. Um, and then right after that happened, the girl who I was seeing at the time said that she didn't want to see me anymore. Oh, that's fucked, man. So losing like yeah. all my friends and the girl yeah, at the man. same time fucking came crumbling down. I still passed TAFE for that semester. I yep. still finished TAFE. Yep. But after that, I was on like a downward spiral until like the end of uh, December. New Year's Eve, I was by myself on the beach, just by myself. And like everyone else I knew was like out at a party. Yeah. Um, and then like mid January, uh, a really old friend of mine, uh, basically got me into his friend group and I was kind of just up from there. Yeah. And now I keep myself like super busy. Yeah. I mean, it, it often takes some significant event happening for us to like, 
it, you know, like breakdown to breakthrough, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and it's powerful because like I said, even with, for me, like it was the whole thing in 2017, even when my girlfriend broke up with me, like that was huge for me. Like it, it was, was that your first serious relationship? Oh no, no, no. We no. were only, we were only seeing each other for like two months. Okay. And uh, you know, yeah. the funny thing is she said to me from the start, oh, I'm not really looking for anything serious. Yeah. Um, but you but get hopeful either way, right? I, no, I couldn't help it. I yeah. still got attached. I was really hoping that she would change her mind, yeah. but um, she must have realized that I was getting attached, attached, and that's why she let me go. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, uh, I mean, like, yeah, um, <clears throat> going through breakups, especially when you're a bit younger, uh, worst is thing. pretty fucked up, yeah. man. Like, I went through a massive breakup um, uh, probably like three years ago now. Yeah. My first serious girlfriend. Same um, as me, exactly. Yeah, years, yeah, it was pretty weird, man. Like, because you go from like spending every day with somebody, almost every day, um, to just completely cut off and you just feel as if like you're missing a limb yeah. in a way. It's a bit 100%. of a bizarre feeling. Um, yeah. It sucks. And, and you know, my mistake as well originally, and it wasn't really a mistake, but it's something that I didn't know how to do, was that I had felt like I wasn't complete without the other person, right? Mm. It's such mm. a normal thing to do, and especially in society. Like you watch the Hollywood movies or the romantic movies and it's like, you complete me, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so, it's very romanticized yeah, in a way. Yeah, a huge yeah. emphasis. And so what happens is it creates like a really high, high moments in relationships, but then also like really low lows. And so it's volatile. And so it's also not realistic. And so it's normal, like as young people, like it happens all the time. But then what I guess what I realize now is as being single, I've been single for like three and a half years. You know what I mean? It's just like, how can I become whole and complete and replace the love I had for her for myself? Like, how can I love myself in that way? Because then when I do find someone, it's going to be an addition. And and not just a gap filler. Not just a gap filler. Yeah. So obviously if I find someone else and then break up with them, like I'm still going to feel upset. It's normal to feel upset, but I'm not going to feel crushed or like shattered because I, I'm still me. I'm still complete. I'm still... I still have respect for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, yeah. Like, yeah, I think everybody learns that when, when they go through their first breakup yeah. is you make a lot of mistakes in terms of where you put your emotions at. Yeah. Um, and particularly I think with men, yeah, guys uh, do it a lot. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, like, and guys also, um, like separate themselves from their friendship groups yeah. a little bit, yeah. especially with first time relationships. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's really sad. Cause like you, like you have a good mate and then they'll get like, they'll disappear for like a year with this chick, they're like, oh my God, she's the best, I'm gonna marry yeah. her. Like, you're like, dude. And they only share their emotions with that person. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They become like everything for that person. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they they eventually break up because yeah. breakups happen. Breakups like, happen. Like Disney, I feel like Disney movies are <laughs> fucking dangerous, bro. They put a little breakup movie yeah, in there. Man. Yeah, man. Like, like, like kids from a young age will yeah. just be like, oh, there's the one. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've met so many ones. Oh, for sure. It's ridiculous. Now, nah, sh uh, show your kids La La Land instead. Exactly. La La Land La La is La La so La realistic. So have sad. you seen that? No, I haven't. I haven't seen that. People say so. that they don't like the ending. I fucking love but the ending because yeah. they, they they give you two endings. Oh, for is the that price with Ryan, Ryan Gosling? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like basically, yeah. they they give you the the true ending. Yeah. But then the they also give ending. you uh, the fantasy ending. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Is it? I have yeah. to watch that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, Ryan Gosling and Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. Yeah. 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 Right. How long have we been going for, Leah? Uh, we've been going for an hour and 10 minutes. An hour and 10 minutes. Hasn't felt like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. The conversation does fly. Um, yeah. yeah do, do you good to keep going? Yeah, bro. Yeah, cool. Sure. Um, what's your views on um, cancel culture? <laughs> it's huge, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you do one thing. Bro, it's so interesting. So um, <laughs> I might get canceled for this, but I'm going to just say anyways. Um, 
I love like the music of Chris Brown. Like he's one of my favorite artists ever. And I've the wife beater. Yeah, yeah I've grown, yeah. I've literally grown up listening to his music. Like yeah. since I was like four or five years old. Mm. He's like the artist of my generation, and I love his music. I'll never deny that I love his music. And so last year, you know how you got that Spotify wrapped up thing. Mm. So I put it on my thing, my on my story on Instagram, and like my top three artists were like um, it was like Drake, Janae Aiko, and and Chris Brown. And I was like, oh yeah, seems about right, whatever. Put it up, and then I didn't even think about it. Right, I just put it up, and then some guy replies to me, this huge thing, like, oh, you're the man up guy. Like, how can you support Chris Brown? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And obviously, like, there's this yeah. huge thing around Chris Brown as a person, like mm. him being like a wife beater, like you know, abusing women, not respecting women, like which sucks, right? And and I can fully and anyways, I was like, oh man, I just love his music, and he's like, no, no, you're supporting him. I was like, like no, I'm not supporting mm. like his whatever. And he's like, but you listen to his music, you're supporting him in doing these actions. And so I guess it was a moment for me where I was like, oh shit, like I never thought about it like that, right? But then a part of me was like, I'm never gonna stop listening to his music, you know what I mean? Because for sure, it's like, do you think people are gonna stop listening to MJ? Like, yeah, exactly. No, and so, and and he got really like angry at me. He's like, I don't agree with you, like I can't believe this. And he like unfollowed me, unfollowed man up, but all this stuff, and I was like, well, okay. That's pretty extreme. Yeah, it's pretty extreme, like yeah. big, big thing. It did make me consider like, maybe I better ought to watch out what I post publicly on Instagram, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I just think like also, cause you, you are like, you're running a business, yeah. with, particularly with the sort of issues that you yeah, do exactly. with. Yeah, that you'd have to be extremely like hyper conscious. Yeah, yeah. and so you put I, out. I definitely uh, have become more conscious of what I put out now. But at the end of the day, like, I think it's it's sad a reality that like people don't understand that everyone's human too. Like we look up to a lot of people, right? But those people probably have gone through their own shit and it, it does put a pressure. Like I've definitely felt a pressure to like be a certain way because of this man up stuff now. And it, it's almost like this pressure to like be the perfect man all the time. And so, you know, if I, if I, I I'm like walking on eggshells, if I say something, then someone's gonna cancel me. Then it's yeah, like yeah. game over for man up, you know mm. what I mean? Um, same with like my co-founder, like, you know, he's done some stuff in the past, you know, and people are not following man up because of it. But I think the difference lies in the fact that we're aware of it and we're trying to make a conscious effort to change, right? Mm everyone's everyone no one is perfect like literally no one is perfect and if you try to be you're just lying and if you try to be you're not living your authentic self you're gonna mm -hmm. offend someone somewhere or another right yeah so i think it's cancel culture is interesting so it's like you just gotta watch your intake of things and and if something's triggering you like just don't follow it like you know what i mean simple yeah, as sure. that like mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean what, what about uh, you? Yeah. where where it gets like really extreme i think because it's it's obviously like like extremely politicized um where people feel like they need to set the rules up for yeah. others to discuss certain issues. Mm -hmm. um, and especially with like comedians, that's a yeah. big one. Like like the whole Louis C.K. thing yeah. um, was yeah. interesting. Like, cause he, that's obviously pretty fucked up what he did. <laughs> like he w was like caught like whipping his dick yeah, out yeah, and like yeah. masturbating in front of girls like that's- Wait, that's, what? That's yeah. fucked Louis C.K., yeah, the yeah, comedian. Bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, so interesting. Like he, he disappeared for a year cause that's like, that's that's bizarre yeah. um and then yeah he came back and put out a special um i haven't said it but apparently it's like really really good um his comedy stuff yeah but there were so many people <laughs> have been conflicted over like whether or not to like that it's okay to like laugh at it yeah, yeah um even though like he was yeah caught doing some pretty weird shit um, it's like you gotta sort of separate the art, the art from, from the artist. The man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, because i'm pretty sure all of the greatest artists there's something going on there yeah for sure <laughs> like i'm pretty sure um Robert Plant, the lead singer from Led Zepp, used to date, and I'm pretty sure got married to like a 14 year old Bro. girl. <laughs> what? Could you could you could you look that up uh, for us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Robert Plant. Robert That's Plant. crazy. Lead singer from Led Zepp. Yeah, like, um, and yeah, Michael Jackson's such a classic example of that. Yeah. 
um, like one of the greatest artists of all time, yeah. yet he made kids spread their buttholes in front of him yeah, and bro. do some weird shit. Yeah. Um, was it that bad? I heard that he was like taking baths with kids, but I don't. Uh, know. I guess that as well. <laughs> That's pretty bad as well. Right? <laughs> That's all bad. <laughs> was it that bad? Yeah, it's all bad, dude. That's all bad. Yeah, but I'm no, sure. yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in that. You do have to separate the art from the artist, yeah. and it it is a shame. And also, like a, another example would be um, Dylan Frost from right. Sticky Fingers. Yeah, yeah, he's whether they're true or not is another thing. But he's had some pretty serious allegations made wow. against him, like violence against women wow. and racism yeah, towards yeah, Aboriginal. Yeah. Um, people. Yeah. All right, so here he is. Um, if we scroll down, scaling's old. a little weird. Yeah, he looks very old. So if we scroll down, why is it not scrolling down? Click there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's had uh, one spouse from. I oh, know you probably have to do some digging to you find it. Yeah. What if I just type 100% in? 100% true though. What if I just type in 14 year old girl? Yeah, in the end? 14. Oh, <laughs> so awkward. 14 year old. Girlfriend. Girl. Google might think, oh, you want to see him as a 14 Jimmy year old girl? 14. Oh, Jimmy Page, sorry. Uh, yeah. The, oh, it was Jimmy the Page. guitarist. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I take that back. It wasn't wow. Robert Plant. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Jimmy Page yeah. dating a fourteen-year-old, and it like w- one of the biggest, like most successful rock and roll bands of oh, all yeah. time. I think I think cancel culture also it doesn't allow people to sort of redeem themselves, right? Because mm. people have made mistakes in the past, and if they, you know, people do dumb things, like it's yeah, just yeah, who we sure. are. Like I've done dumb things in the past, and if people didn't forgive me, like where would I be? I'll be mm. even sadder than I am today. But I was lucky that people were able to like give me a chance. So when you like people do it for like celebrities, right? It's really sad because it's like. They aren't allowed any retribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in a way. let them. She does not look fourteen. <laughs> you think that was his excuse? <laughs> he well, knew, he knew, been, dude. He knew. Fucking hell! What? Yeah, that's Come on, crazy, she looks yeah. like twenty. Yeah. No offense to her if she's watching this. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, yeah. man, there, there's yeah. the list goes on for just wild yeah. shit yeah. like that, and you just yeah, I always have to remind myself like yeah, like that's pretty fucked up, but yeah. I love the music. Exactly, I love the art. Exactly. Um, like maybe if they continue to do like fucked up shit, then maybe yeah. then like, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. Your point on um, retribution and like coming back and actually yeah. um, redeeming yourself is so true. Yeah. Like you have a lot of, um, and particularly on social media and stuff, yeah. typically uh, right wing sort of commentators yeah. and things. But it's also like give them some, look at them through eyes of compassion and maybe realize that they need help or something. You know what I mean? Like, well, potentially. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because exactly. pro Jared was able to come back. Who's this? Oh, yeah, um, sorry. Pro Jared is i uh, I'll make this really quick. Pro Jared is a YouTuber. Um, do you know who Jontron is? No, no. Okay. Well, pro Jared is a gaming YouTuber. He did like game reviews and all sorts of shit. And um, last year, I think it was, um, he, uh, people found out that he had a Tumblr page which only existed so he could uh, exchange nudes with fans. So yeah, he was basically exchanging nudes with fans and a lot of them were underage. Okay. Even though, even though he put the 18 plus on the Tumblr page, he still got underage fans coming on lying about their age because of course you would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, then it was found out that he cheated on his wife. This was all happening while he was married to his wife, by the way. And apparently she knew, but I don't know the full details. So, um, he got caught cheating on his wife with another YouTuber. So him and his wife went through a divorce and then like all of the shit about him exchanging nudes with underage fans came out. And yeah. like, he even got his own nudes leaked. 
like pro Jared's wow. dick is out there. <laughs> it's yeah, huge. Well, I mean, it's the whole thing about nudes, right? Like if you don't want your dick being on the internet, like probably don't yeah. send your Fend dick. it to fans. Yeah. But he was able to have a, a redemption because he made a, uh, like everyone was on his ass. He lost like so many subscribers, hundreds mm. of thousands. Um, and then like he took a break months on end. Then he came back and made a long apology video yep. and basically explained himself how, oh, they were all lying about their age. I always made it clear it was for consenting adults only. Yeah. Even though the whole thing about having a Tumblr page just yeah, for exchanging dodge, yeah, is, yeah. is dodge as fuck. I never used Tumblr, right? Yeah, no, I didn't yeah. Yeah. Is people, that even still a thing anymore? <laughs> is, that, is Tumblr still a thing anymore? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, my point is people forgave him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Jesus Christ. All right, well, um, I think we might um might wrap it up. Yeah, man. We've touched on some cool topics. Yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah, give us a pitch. Just man up. Man up. Home shanty. Yeah. Anything um, else? Um, nah, man, I think that's about it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start doing some work because I, I recently did, like, my cert for like, personal training. But um, I want to sort of do this, like, program where it's, like, personal training with mindset mentoring because I think it goes hand in hand because – to sort of change who you are, it, it requires a whole shift in who you are as your identity, not just one aspect. So trying to do that. So just stay tuned, I guess, for that. Yeah, cool. Um, cool. But in the meantime, yeah, I mean, if anyone's watching, like, please support Man Up, you know, Man Up. No, I think, yeah, you guys Instagram are um, yeah. co very commendable what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please continue doing Thank it. Thank you, really man. cool. But yeah. It, it, yeah, it's a small thing. It's a small shift. And I always say, like, if we can just influence one person to change their mindset then that's what matters because that is so worth it they'll then influence their friends and that's how the ripple is created so yeah cool all right yeah. well thank you Gareth, for coming Thanks, on it was great to see you thank you for having me guys take care